You're listening to the Coach's Journey Podcast. Exposing the struggles and celebrating the successes in the life of coaches who are action takers and creating authentic impact in today's world. Whether you're just starting out, expanding your reach, or exploding your impact, you're in the right place right now. Stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Now, here are your hosts of the Coach's Journey Podcast. What's up, Coaches Nation? Excited to see you again for another episode here at the Coach's Journey Podcast. I'm Dr. Sherry Flewellen with our co-host Faisal Ansan, and we are here today with another special guest. Her name is Kimberly. You are going to love her story. She um, hails from Canada, and which Faisal does too. So he aptly pointed out that I, as an American, am overrun today by Canadians, and I'm okay. I, I grew up about 75 minutes from the border. <laughs> I feel like I can kind of consider myself a Canadian, eh? I will accept you as an adopted child. Okay, okay. Thank you, honorary Canadian for today. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. All right, before we jump into Kimberly's amazing story, we are going to celebrate our wins for the week. Kimberly, this is something we do on every podcast. We always love to start our podcast out with positivity and energy and focus on things that either have gone well or we can just interpret as a win in our lives because, hey, as faces, coaches, you know, we always are having to work on our own mindset. So this is an opportunity to continue to refine that. <laughs> so what would be a win that you could share with us that you've had recently? It could be in your personal life. It could be business. It could be whatever you want it to be. Um, well, in terms of business, I was having some difficulties with my insurance provider. <laughs> and I'm happy to say that we have found a contract that will allow me to work with clients outside of Canada. Oh. <laughs> they were telling me I could not. And uh, yeah, that was a little frustrating. So I, I consider it a big win to finally have paperwork sent my way that will allow me to, to expand <laughs> a little bit. Absolutely. That's a pretty big deal. Um, so you get reimbursed from insurance companies for your work. Is that the, or is, or is no, this, this, oh, is, this is your malpractice or like insurance? Yeah, it, or? it all started with my apartment, my tenant's insurance. You have to disclose if you're running a business from within your home, otherwise okay. it becomes null and void. So I did disclose, got a business extension, and then they stated, but the business extension will only allow you to practice in Canada. So there was a lot of confusion there because if my apartment burns down, what relevance is to where the uh, the clients are, are located? But <laughs> we got it all settled like out and I've got my Bureaucracy way. in government. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Half the stuff doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And it's like... 15 years behind the times, like who doesn't work outside of the country? I mean, okay, there's a lot of people that do, but there's a lot of people like us that do. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. And I would say noteworthy, if you have homeowner's insurance, renter's insurance, business insurance, probably should double check to see if it covers outside of your geographical area. I would not have ever thought, you're one of those good people that reads the fine print. I don't always do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important to take a look at that even just knowing that running a business from within your home has the potential to void your tenants uh insurance yeah not something you want to risk if you end up with a flood and they decide 
you had business stuff at home that that needs to be covered well we're not going to cover any of your possessions yeah not something anyone wants to encounter <laughs> absolutely not yeah so well thank you for educating us <laughs> That, that was an interesting actually battle with with my motorhome because um, uh, I had talked to them about that. I said that I'm part of the uh, part of the time I'm going to be using this for business too. So my laptop and stuff will be there, uh, and we're not constantly offloading things. And when it got broken into, they were kind of uh, disputing that a bit. I'm like, I, that was one of the first things I brought up. And you can go back to your calls. You can go back to the the things that we talked about but this needs to be it's part of the thing it, but there was a couple of back and forth obviously insurance companies they don't want to pay for anything yeah right? <laughs> ideally speaking for them uh, but it, it is something to, to be aware of especially as you but but i think they're getting used to it now because so many people are out on the doing so many things online and with the pandemic working from home they have to adapt absolutely Faisal, now that you just took a drink, what's your win? A drink is a win. It's really good tea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my win, win. I actually did a, a Facebook Live this morning. I was, I was sitting down and I was like, this is my contemplation meditation time. And one of the first things that happened, my mind is circling through all the things that I need to do, all the challenges that I'm dealing with, and so many transitions, so many things I'm taking care of. But then it was very, like, it was this subtle moment of clarity, even amidst that. And I'm just looking around. I was seeing my children's toys. I was in the basement. And then just looking, I'm like, I'm sitting here worrying about business stuff, what's going to happen when I travel, my events, all that stuff. I'm so grateful that I'm worried about these things. Because <laughs> there was a time I really wanted these things. I really wanted to to work towards those things. And right now, like in that, like I didn't realize that before that because my mind was purely looking at him from a problem standpoint. But as soon as that came in, I was like, holy shoot, that's so incredible. And and one one of the coaches in our community, um, he calls it champagne problems. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was dealing with a lot of champagne problems. <laughs> so I'm grateful for that. And, and that's awesome. That, that's a win, that realization. That is, I actually had a similar realization um, where in my business, you know, I've really been working hard at trying to make a certain thing happen. And now that it has happened, I'm like, oh my gosh, do I really want this? Like one of those moments of like, oh, wow. Like, you know, and, and so it kind of makes you reevaluate, um, you know, for better, for worse. It's like, okay, do, is this really what I want to do? Um, and it sounds like for you, you, you had that moment of you're like, oh my goodness, like this is really what I want to do. So let's just lean into it and, and kind of move it forward. So that's awesome. For me, I would say <clears throat> one of my wins is, <laughs> it's going to sound really weird, but I think I think a lot of us can relate to it, is this is like the, the month where I'm taking care of myself. <clears throat> As a woman, Kimberly, you might be able to relate. I have not seen my woman doctor since my last my last <laughs> birth 12 years ago my youngest oh, is 12 wow. and um and i've just got this accumulating list of little annoyances in my life and in my health that i'm just like well it's not bad enough to you know weren't having to make an appointment and all of the, that stuff so i finally got to the point where <clears throat> 
and this cough is part of it where I'm like, you know what? I need to take care of all the things. So I've got a PT appointment, a pulmonology appointment, and my womanly doctor appointment. I've got, I've got a couple of, I'm just like stacking them up this month of just like getting everything. So, um, so I'm excited because I, my appointment yesterday went well, and there were some great suggestions that I think will be huge for me. And so anyway, that's what I win. I'm actually taking time out to take care of myself. That's, that's a great fantastic. Oh, that's a I feel like self-care always ends up at the bottom of the list for some reason. And it it's something we really have to try to retrain in ourselves. It is like, I'm good at some things. I go to the gym almost every day. I sleep well, or at least I, you know, I'm very rigid about when I go to bed and when I wake up, but, but those other things I'm just like, that is really that big of a deal, you know? So so there you go. I'm I, I I'm I'm fairly healthy and I'm apparently gonna live for a while longer. That's good news. That's awesome. I almost said what what is this woman doctor? <laughs> <laughs> but I got it. Oh dear. We can we can unpack that a little bit. That would be a sure. different type I'm of okay. podcast. No. It's one of those. So I'm I'm fairly open about these things. Like my sister-in-law would be sitting there, my wife and every of a sudden they they start whispering something. And I'm like, what are you just talking about? They're like, do you really want to know? I'm like, yeah. What what is it? And they will start talk, talking about their period. I'm like, I don't mind. Talk about it. And they're like, what? That's gross. Stay out of our business. I'm like, so what? It's human beings. <laughs> It is. We I had a high school French teacher who hated how open we were about that in high school. We weren't the nicest in in how we we took advantage of that. Uh, we <laughs> chose her class to educate the boys in. Um, but I think it's very important that that people are open about that, and I'm glad that you are open to hearing about things like that because there's a stigma that existed once upon a time around any female health yeah. and it just caused more problems yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I think there's st stigma around biology period for human beings a lot of times <laughs> there's actually a whole philosophy book yes. this by Alan was is like we kind of set up our washroom in a direct in a corner we set up this and, I, and that's the um, pr practicality is one thing but so that's thing, like we don't want to talk about anything, like anything that's real and 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 human. Like we want to stay away from. I was just gonna say there is some really good reasons why there <laughs> should not be a bathroom right off a kitchen or a dining room. Like there, you know, those two things don't mix. When you have a dinner party and your stomach is upset, like you're making, you know, <laughs> need we go further? <laughs> Listen, if that's me, I do what I gotta do. <laughs> I'll leave All right, people. <laughs> All right. So, so our listeners are probably like, "What is going on right now?" <laughs> hey, listen. If you want to listen to real talk, this is what it is. This is real talk. That's <laughs> right. All right. And what also is real talk is about how hard it is to be a coach. So, before we jump into Kimberly's story. It, we always recognize our sponsor for this podcast, which is the Coaching Mastery Community, because coaching is hard. You know, there's the actual act of coaching, which is challenging in and of itself, because then you've got a client that says something or is a certain way and it triggers you and you don't realize it. And then you're just like this weird self of you, of you comes out and you're like, what just happened? Um, so 
being a coach is hard. And then finding clients and building your coach up as a business is also really hard because, you know, it's like you're trying to sell something that's intangible a lot of times. And, I don't, you know, and I think the culture as a whole is shifting to understanding the value of self-development and coaching, but, you know, it is not there yet. It's still not a household name from my perspective as, you know, as a general statement. So then trying to figure out how do I, how do I market this? How do I, how do I really get people to understand the value that this has in their, in their life? Well, the coasting, coaching, map coasting, <laughs> the coaching mastery community, we are a virtual community to help coaches figure that stuff out, to get better as a coach, to be able to build their business in a way that's sustainable and supports uh, the mission and the impact that they want to have, as well as finances. You know, I mean, uh, the best quote I heard now, this was related to real estate, but do you think that as a coach, you find yourself running an accidental nonprofit? Uh, you know, that that can easily happen if if we're not intentional about what the structure and long-term implications of what we're doing. So Coaching Mastery Community is an amazing place to come together uh, with other coaches to really figure that stuff out in with support and encouragement and fun. I mean, come on, like we're talking about woman parts on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hear a lot more when you come in. <laughs> what would you add to that, Faisal? I actually have a very specific thing to add. So this Monday, we had our 90-day challenge. On Mondays, we have the session 90-day five-figure challenge. So we're basically, um, that's the session where we're working on the business part of uh, um, uh, the business, um, of the coaching process, how to move forward. Actually, one of our coaches, he he lost a contract, or at least that's in the process for like over a year, he's had it with this organization. And what ended up happening, he was as he was challenging his client, and the client, instead of kind of he role played something, and the client goes off and <laughs> loses her shit and goes into the company and loses it on the boss and everybody. And it costs him the contract because they associate her actions with the coaching process. And as he was sharing it, and I could tell it was like, it looked like he had, he's like, I guess I lost a contract and the lesson is, and I wasn't clear what the lesson was. He's like, I, I, and, and I asked, uh, asked him and the whole group contributed to this. I'm like, so have you reached out to them again? And it looked like he had given up. He's like, he had accepted it. I'm like, I would reach out to them. This is a perfect opportunity to figure out what happened there because if there is that challenge happening, it's more than likely it's a team dynamic challenge. It's not just a client challenge. And basically the way that happened was that the bosses of the company just basically handed their employee over a fixer in that sense. So there were the lessons I think around it was the deeper that, hey, did I qualify this client even though it came through an organization? But also, what are the reasons behind the bosses kind of recommending him? I, I would want to know more about the team dynamics and how the culture is because there's opportunity to support the whole team rather than just one individual. Uh, so this actually got him. We actually, part of the challenge is actually we spend a few minutes, go reach out to people. We come back and share our insights, part of that session. So we do that work and he actually drafted an email and sent it out and he awesome. got our insights on it. So I felt really good about that. That like, it's so easy to give up on something like that, but this is actually an opportunity. And when you're in your head, it doesn't look like an opportunity. No. Yeah, it looks like a big fat failure. I love that the community that surrounded him is like, no, let's take this little, you know, loss or this failure and turn it around. It actually could be 
uh, an opportunity to educate, to encourage, to support at even a bigger scale. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. All right, let's dive into Kimberly's story. Kimberly, uh, how did you how did you get into the coaching space? What did that transition look like for you? That's actually an interesting story. Um, <laughs> I was, I myself have been a writer for as long as I can remember. And in 2016, I had a friend push me into doing NaNoWriMo. And I say push, it was more like a very affectionate, forceful shove. What is NaNoWriMo? <laughs> Uh, so NaNoWriMo is actually Na National Novel Writers Month, and it's an international challenge to writers to write 50,000 words in the span of 30 days during the month of November. Okay. Uh, it is a free challenge. It is a self-accountable challenge, and it's one that I recommend to any writer out there. It's a great way to light a fire under your patootie to get you going. <laughs> so... This friend got me into that. I was able to develop my own methods in doing so because she got me turned on to NaNoWriMo in, I want to say August. National Novel Writers Month isn't until November. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to set myself up for success here. I've done a lot of writing, but when it came to novels, I always hit that wall that a lot of writers hit. You hit the writer's block, you don't know where you're going and you stop. It ends up in a dusty work in progress pile. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. So come 2016, I sat myself down and I decided sitting down and simply typing isn't working. It's time to come up with a strategy. And so I did. And that year within the month of November, I was able to write my first draft from start to beginning in the span of 30 days. Yeah! Something I've done That's ever awesome. since. <laughs> so in 2019, unfortunately, my health took a turn for the worse and writing was no longer something that I was able to do. Thankfully, my health has improved over the last, uh, I want to say two months, which is another win I am extremely grateful for. But during that time, it was an ache for me to not be able to sit down and do what I loved most, what I'm most passionate about and what gives me that freedom for my creative soul. Um, and they say, when you cannot do, teach. In that time, I had an opportunity to pay it forward from what my friend Anne had done for me and pushing me and assist two acquaintances that I'd met through friends with their own projects. For each their own reasons, they didn't believe that they could accomplish these books. And I corrected them. <laughs> so the first one, they're both uh, neurodivergent, so autism and ADHD. And the first individual believed she was incapable of pursuing her idea for a mystery novel due to her ADHD and autism. She felt like it wasn't possible to get those ideas organized enough within her head and keep those ideas straight throughout the duration of the writing process, um, throughout the duration of the plotting pr process, let alone drafting. So by working with her and developing tricks and techniques, we were able to get her entire plot 
done start to finish for a mystery novel, no less. So things need to be in order. Uh, and she's currently in the drafting process. The other friend, I, I say friend now, uh, the other acquaintance <laughs> wanted to hand me his idea and say, you know, this is my idea for a book. You do it. I can't. And that's that wrong with me. It's when you have a creative project baby, you know, you've got something that you are passionate about. It should be you taking the reins and nothing should be able to tell you that you cannot. Mm. So for this individual, it was self-esteem, but also poor spelling and grammar. I reminded him that's what editors are for. Don't worry about that right now. Get the ideas out. You can touch them up later. Uh, I'm happy to report not only did he get his story drafted and uh, fully written start to finish, we've actually just set him up uh, two weeks ago with his very own team of editors to get that grammar and spelling done. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so it was actually one of those individuals who got my attention during a call and said, listen, you've helped me do something I never thought would be possible. You've helped me organize thoughts that are not easy to organize within my own mind. You should be pursuing this as a business. Mm. And, you know, in life, a lot of people will give you suggestions to pursue things that you, you may like or, or find interesting. There's always that, yeah, maybe someday. When it came to this business, for the first time in my life, it was, yes, that is something that I would enjoy doing, that I would excel at. I mean, I stress organized. I don't know about you, but if you see me organizing my 1200 books, it's been a bad day. <laughs> so to organize anything just reduces my stress and makes me feel you know, happy and useful and like I'm contributing to the world. Add in the creative aspect. Well, I'm just in paradise. So I went ahead with uh, planning this business. I've got four stages I'm working on. This virtual stage is just the first of many. And uh, that's how I got my start was just someone telling me, do it. And having zero reasons not to. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Where, you know, it's, it's like one of those principles that I see a lot in my life. And I've heard a lot of other people talk about. And, um, you know, Faisal is so, um, He's so gung-ho on like, you know, vision and like where are you headed and let's plan it out, which I think is amazing and has been super helpful and I think is important. And at the same time, there's this, this reality that no matter what we think we're going, when we take the next step, all of a sudden we're pivoting a little bit, you know, and, and then it's like, mm -hmm. okay, so now I got to adjust things and what does that mean for my future and all that sort of stuff. So I love that you were open to pivoting. And, you know, a little bit and, and now you're in something which maybe you hadn't even expected or planned, but it's so fulfilling and so fun. That is awesome. Yeah, I can honestly say had my illness not affected me in the way that it did, had it not occurred, I don't think this business venture would have ever presented itself. I would have been too busy. I would have been too distracted. Uh, and I would have come up with reasons not to. Yeah. So everything happens for a reason, right? Kind of ties in with what Faisal said about the, the whole coach with, you know, perceiving that this potential cl this client he had was a failure. And 
you know, well, let's reinterpret that. What else might it be an opportunity to, you know, go in a different direction or, you know, pursue things differently. I'm curious. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Faisal and I both have a passion for writing and that is something we've either done or are planning to do in the future. And I'm wondering what did, you know, what kind of stories or, or you know, you kind of more recently in the novels, what kind of writing did you do and kind of how has that looked in your journey? So in my case, I have done a variety of writing. I've uh, written for some papers, recently started writing for another magazine, um, newspapers, community pages, stories, short stories. Uh, at one time, I was writing a blog that I had started for fun. I thought maybe two, three people would read. And next thing you know, it's over 52 countries <laughs> tuning wow. in to read every week. Um, <laughs> so there's there's been a fair bit of writing. But since 2016, it's been primarily uh, working on my book series, um, getting those ideas out and fluid throughout multiple books. And uh that's that's been quite fun. I I'm very much a fan of the fantasy genre, especially urban fantasy, where you can um, picture these worlds come to life within the world that you live in. It, it becomes somewhat plausible for these worlds to exist, but hidden within shadow. And for me, that's that's just such a beautiful concept and and a fun one to play with. So that's that's my passion project these days is, is working on my book series, which I'm happy I'll be able to return to now that my health is allowing me to, um, it was neurological issues. So to be able to read, to be able to think cohesively, um, let alone take the energy to imagine up new realms and new worlds, it, it turned a headache into migraine and just oh made things impossible. So uh, yeah, I'm happy to report I'll be getting back into that book series and hopefully seeking out publishing within the next couple of years. That's exciting. Yeah, that's that's. But what about you? You said that you'd like to entertain the idea of of writing. What is it you would like to do? Great question. I never. We never <laughs> have guests asking us these questions. I was like, what? What am I? Sorry, it took me by surprise. I didn't prepare. I'm sorry. This is not the. <laughs> so um, I love, absolutely love writing. Um, I think it comes from my um, my passion for educating and helping people understand things, which of course is part of coaching. Uh, my longest, <laughs> my longest writing was my uh, doctoral dissertation, uh, which I would not say was a fun you know, writing. Um, but I've written a lot of right now I'm focusing on just a lot of ebooks um, because it's able I'm able to take concepts and teach and educate and inspire um, in shorter versions because I'm not really sure what my full book is going to look like yet. And so I'm just kind of getting smaller <clears throat> snippets of things out. So I've done, you know, stuff on educating. I'm, I'm in the real estate space. So I've done things on educating around syndications, around mindset of a real estate investor um, and some different things like that. But I absolutely love it. I My last one I wrote was probably three weeks ago, two weeks ago. And it was, I mean, it's it's a blast. And I just, I love it. I just don't know what the full book is. I'm like, if I'm going to take the time to write a book, like I want to darn well know 
where it's going to fit in the world and what the purpose of it is yet. And I don't have clarity on that yet. So. And that's where my coaching practice comes in, right? We take things, we take a concept, break it down to its base form, and then rebuild it brick by brick to allow you to build this novel that yeah. feels cohesive and, and complete. Um, and that's why I, I'm really interested early. to see what you'll Gary. do. Is it, and that's why what? What'd you say, Faisal? That's why you go to Kimberly. <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, I know Faisal is really re ready to jump in here, but I got another question before I, I, I pass the baton to him. Um, my daughter, my oldest daughter is, has ADD. <clears throat> Um, my background, I'm a psychologist, and so I understand a neuro, you know, atypical neuro issues. Um, and I see her, and she, you know, her brain goes, she's got certain gifts and areas that she really struggles. And, and definitely when she's writing sentences and, and putting short stories down, she's 14, and, um, you know, it doesn't quite come out normal. And I'm super fascinated how you took that process and created a system that was successful in helping somebody um, gain some competence in that. I think that is amazing. It, it's a lot of fun for me because what it is, it is just allowing yourself to let them take reins, but in a way that is guided. So with ADHD, ADD, uh, the thoughts tend to not translate from the image that they have in their mind. Oh, something I learned was actually when you're facing neurodivergence, the mental process within is quite different from my own inner monologue. Everything is very much spoken in order within my mind. But in a lot of cases, neurodivergence have this image within their head, so it can be difficult to translate that from there. That's where you have to break things down, get the ideas out, and then put them into order. Mm. It, my friend Anne had taught me right when she got me hooked on NaNoWriMo, uh, and I'm going to try to remember the wording of this. You can edit a novel, you can edit the mistakes out, no problem, but you cannot edit a blank page. Ooh, that's powerful. So it's really about just getting those ideas out there, and then you can sort through them after. And that's where I come in, is a lot of the time what I'll do with one writer is I'll have them just talk, just spit out all of the ideas. Don't worry about writing it down yourself. I'll type it up while you talk, and I'll make sure that those ideas are put into the order that you're hinting they should be. And then we'll look over them together. And that way you're taking that picture and you're translating it in the same way that a printer would. A printer doesn't simply give you the full image or the full text. It takes it letter by letter, breaks that letter down, and adds the ink as it goes. You don't see a full letter, let alone the full thing, until it's broken everything down into its variety of colors and, and toners. And I think that's that's the magic of working with, you know, say your daughter would be taking that image and translating it. Yeah. For you to have a process to take what somebody really struggles at doing, um, you know, being processing the world differently and being able to give it to people in a way that they understand. Um, I, that is amazing. And it gives me chills thinking about how, how much 
competence and um, uh, self-esteem that can give somebody that's struggling otherwise. Like, girl, I love it. It's definitely a very rewarding feeling, but it's one that you yourself would experience, right? Because what do you do as a life coach? You take a perspective, you break it down, and you represent it to the individual in a way that allows them to get from point A to point B of their goal, their their intended goals. That's all you're doing, right? So it's something that all life coaches can apply within their practice is that divergent way of thinking, of taking a step back, breaking things down, and then reapplying them in a way that helps our clients, right? It allows them to see this this problem or these um, challenges and these obstacles in a way that is less threatening, in a way that is organized and more uh, manageable, more feasible, right? It's all any of us are doing. I just happen to have a focus in creativity. That's awesome. I, I really love, love, love the way you explain things, uh, Kimberly. I think it's really cool. Um, and it kind of got me thinking. Uh, so it's um, my wife has some theories about me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sound you probably should share. I think more like diagnosis than theories. <laughs> she, she used to be actually therapist for, for autistic kids. So she used to actually work with them. Um, and, and I would go there too. And, uh, and that was around the time when we were dating and got engaged and um she would sometimes ask me these interesting questions and at some point she even was like I, I think you are on some kind of spectrum <laughs> and not not in a negative way she actually loved aut- people who were on the autism spectrum because they thought very differently and over the years I've also been given ADD and ADHD as a diagnosis for her <laughs> Uh, and she's like, you know, you should really get diagnosed. That I'm like, what the hell would that do for me? <laughs> uh, so, but I mean, the the, the and for me, it, it's been um, actually a huge struggle trying to get people to understand my thoughts. And and what you described there was actually, and I don't know if I'm actually in that spectrum or not, uh, clinically speaking. But my thinking is visual in nature. That's one of the reasons why Sherry talked about it. like everything I do is around vision building. <laughs> <laughs> because I've had to take very like for me it's an image it's very hard to put it down into a something manageable and something strategic something that you can break it down into chunks it shows up as image constantly and I don't actually need pictures a lot of times I that picture f- comes to me first and what I but what, interestingly what I noticed most people don't think like that but it was very interesting for me what if I did give them that image uh, of their life and the image connects to their emotions. And as they do that, it tends to create something different. That's why my focus has been so much on the vision because most people don't go there. And then once they break that down, they, especially if it's manageable for them, if they can do it, they, they don't have to like, they don't have to keep doing that over and over. I think vision is alive. I think our dreams are alive. And like Sherry said, it changes it, you pivot. Um, and you move through it. And that's why revisiting those images are so important. But for me, I realized over and over, one of the reasons why I'm able to help people is because I can go into the images in their mind and kind of dissect it out and, and tell me, because most people don't pay attention to them. And I feel like there are like deeper reasons. I think there are deeper spiritual reasons, unconscious reasons why we get those intuitive vis- uh, visual images or feelings or, or connecting points. 
And I think a lot of coaches are on kind of that intuitive spectrum where they tend to have their own area of focus if they hone in on it, that they can get people to think about certain things in a specific way that others might have not thought about. And that's where the, the art of coaching, I think, comes in is that where, where do you get attracted towards? And, and so, I mean, just I want to connect, like, I, I think you have a gift there and it's really cool that you're able to help people uh, do that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll uh, say the same thing Sherry said in a longer way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Isn't it just beautiful, though, that we're developing this awareness within society that people's minds are just as different and unique as their external appearance mm -hmm. everyone is so very different in the way that they they think and the way they process information and the way that they imagine and something you said just then I, I can't even pinpoint the exact word that that triggered this image in my head but life is very much like an escape room you have the better chance of getting out of that room of succeeding in your task is when you have people who think differently. If you've got a group of five people and each person thinks differently and can accomplish a puzzle that the other person or the other people on their team couldn't, it's by recognizing those differences and applying each person's strengths that we truly succeed as a society. And I think it's just so beautiful that we're, we're removing the stigmas and we're allowing ourselves to see the beauty in everything within, you know, neurotypical and neurodivergent thinking within the way some people think with an inner monologue and some people don't. Um, I, I think there's a lot of potential to move forward and to accomplish things as a society that we have never before accomplished. Now that we're allowing ourselves to accept and to appreciate these differences. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that it's just for me. It just is such a beautiful thing. <laughs> it is, and and I think there's um, one of the things. I mean, for me, it's been on trying to understand nature for what it is, and and when you in any natural environment, when you go there, no matter how similar it looks, like if you really pay close attention, like if you look at the small little things that are happening. Um, I think it was Thoreau that said that you can find an epic within an ant colony. Uh, you don't need to create an epic battle with human beings. Um, <laughs> and in his book, Walden, um, it's, it's very interesting. When you pay attention, there's so much diversity there. And somehow, like you said, it's pieces of the puzzles, dynamic puzzles coming together and working with each other. Then um, any environment that you look at, and, and on the surface, it looks more like a competition. And the way we used to think about nature, and there is a level of competition there. It has to happen for it to move forward. Uh, there's competition in our gut, like those bacteria and organisms. They have to mm -hmm. fight with each other for us to be healthy at a higher level. If they don't, it doesn't work. Um, but then there's a there's a powerful level of collaboration in there that that it, we're beginning to understand. And I think as, as a species, we're a fairly young species as human beings. And like, when you look at these futuristic scientists, when you hear their thoughts around it, it's like, uh, I think Machio Kaku, I think that's his name. He talks about it. He's like, if you were to put uh, like species, uh, his theory around how species work and how they evolve and how they grow, 
that we are, we haven't even hit the zero mark. <laughs> we are a very young species if you look at the growth mm -hmm. of any kind of species. And, and as you go, th go through this level, the next level might be very, very different. We're beginning to, so we're coming out of a survival state as a species. We're beginning to create a lot of abundance with technology, with, with uh, information, with connect connection. And that is taking us to a place where it, we are able to pay attention to these subtle things that most people didn't pay attention to because I need to eat. Who the hell cares about your divergent thinking? <laughs> We're toddlers struggling to, yeah. to stumble towards a self-awareness. Yes. <laughs> these, like, that's why I actually love science fiction movies and shows. Like, and and all, the theme has been those people who created it. They actually brought these ideas into them. And one of the, when the first time they, uh, human beings meet these these aliens uh, who are like more advanced, like they're next level, they have like, they, they can they can be invisible, they can be visible, they're incorporating themselves part of nature, they heal themselves in so many ways. When humans go there to talk to them, and uh, they're like, we need your help with this battle that we're dealing with this enemy. And the alien just looks at me like, um, you need to grow up in a sense. <laughs> it's like, you're you literally, there's a line like you're, you're young. You're young, and and there was this actually one uh, episode um, in in Stargate. As you wonder if anybody has seen it, the enemy comes to this planet. That's uh, one of my favorite shows. Uh, so the, the enemy comes to this advanced aliens uh, planet plus human beings. They're both enemies, and the species. They're actually every time they come across both of them, they come and help them and help them heal and stuff. And the humans keep going back and it's like you need to help us it's like why should i help you they're helping everybody <laughs> like they don't yeah. care and then they want their help to fight the other ones like we don't care <laughs> what your problems are like to them it doesn't mean anything and for us if we were to put it in our context it's watching two kids fight like we want to help those kids we don't want to take sides of the kids and I, that's where we are i think i think as a species that we're growing we're learning these little subtle things and to me, it's exciting because what would the next level look like when we kind of get rid of these things that divide us and we can work together towards something mm -hmm. that, that I don't know why I went there, but that to me is exciting. I could not agree more with you. And I'm actually really happy you brought that up because I'm actually considering being Samantha Carter for Halloween. <laughs> Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, yes. Huge Stargate. fan of Stargate SG-1. <laughs> Well, you kind of look but, like her too. You don't have to do a oh, lot. I will take that as a very great compliment. <laughs> yeah, I think she's just, woman. Amanda Tapping is beautiful. I love her. Um, so Faisal, have you yourself written a book? You, you've mentioned wanting to. Have you started? Have you sat down and, and sort of played with what that might look like? I, I've thought about several <laughs> books, <laughs> ideas, and uh, my idea is actually to combine fiction and nonfiction. Uh, so bring the, the stories from a lot of these science fiction movies, but also about biblical stories to putting them together. A lot of science fiction movies are actually doing that about those older religious stories, bringing them together and putting them in the personal development context, uh, but have a mix of fiction and nonfiction within it. Um, uh, and that's been my idea. But you can see that there's a lot of fantastical images in there, but putting that in a coherent sense that makes sense to other people is, is a whole different story. But that, that's just, that's what I'm attracted to. 
because that's I'm, I'm like I love stories and how these uh, heroes journey connects to who we are and here's the interesting thing for coaches so I've coached this client and this has happened with a few clients at this point through all the way through four series of high performance coaching so and each series goes about 12 sessions goes 12 sessions and then the, we got to the middle of the leadership session so this is about 30 plus sessions, we do a session on leadership and one just something happened in the middle. And I was like, you know what, this analogy will work better because at this point I know this client more too. I'm like, what, what is your ideal for leadership? And you couldn't come up with one person. I'm like, it doesn't have to be a physical person. I'm like, what would be? And he's like, well, Captain America comes to mind. I'm like, that sounds silly. To him, it sounded silly. I'm like, no, no, don't worry about it. Like, so what about Captain America? He talked about his integrity, his work ethic, his care, and he started laying down values in there and he started, I'm like, which give me some scenes. Cause I've seen the whole series. He's seen it too. We're both fans. He gives me some scenes in some specific areas where he acted a certain way. We worked through that by the end of the session. Um, like he solidified what his values are as a leader and how he wants to show up within his team. This is a grown ass man with a team in the real estate world. <laughs> so we're not talking about uh, uh, a child here. Um, and so so by the end of it, I asked him, like, what did you love the, about the session? He's like, first of all, this was my favorite session. <laughs> I'm like, talked through 30 sessions. We've had some very profound sessions. This is your favorite session? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what did you like about it? He's like, I can clearly see who I am as a leader now. I'm like, oh, that is so interesting. Okay. So to me, like, I also know and practice this. And this, he's not the only one that has worked with. I, I want to constantly bring characters from people's lives these archetypal characters now for somebody religious that might be jesus in the christian world mm -hmm. uh, for somebody muslim that might be muhammad and i want to dig deeper what does that mean for you how, when did this person show up how did this person and for as human beings we have models and uh, the problem is that the models that we follow in our life subconsciously might not be the greatest models but we have an ideal so that that's kind of my idea is to bring these characters to life for people and connect it to the growth and incorporate coaching into it. I don't know if that's. <laughs> I, saw, I, well, I want to share a quote with you okay. because it, it, it's just come to mind and it sounds like you have a lot of amazing ideas. Perhaps are, are have so many that you haven't sat down to to do one and Professor Gerard. Uh, Puccio of Buffalo State said, the risk of over-clarifying is analysis paralysis. So when we over-analyze, when we explore these ideas for the sake of exploring without sitting down to actually do them, we become paralyzed by the possibility. We become overwhelmed. We become overrun. You have ideas. They're amazing. I want to challenge you to sit down, pick one of those ideas, write it down, and see where that takes you. Because yeah. well, I, I think like the there's a lot of potential in what you just said. <laughs> yeah, and it's actually part of my um, uh, part of my vision and plan too. So it was actually supposed to be this year, um, but what ended up happening, I started focusing more more on events. So uh, next year, my one of my first things I'm focusing on is the book. Uh, so. You'll your all the emails from you from me. <laughs> hey, Kimberly, I'm I look here. forward to it. <laughs> I look forward to it. Yeah, thanks for the challenge. I appreciate it though. I I, I will do that. <laughs>
Sounds good. And Sherry too. Let's let's see what you can come up with with your your book to educate. I, I think there's a lot of knowledge in you. There is that, that can be imparted. It's it's funneling it in in some way, but which yeah yeah it's going to be exploration. I'm curious, Kimberly, what where are you where are you wanting to intentionally head with your with your books and with the coaching and kind of what does all of that look like for you? Well, with the books themselves being a book series, I do want to, I already have several plotted out. And funny enough, what Faisal mentioned is, <laughs> has to do with what I'm doing in taking this urban fantasy and taking ancient history and allowing the two to become mm. one. Uh, I've actually incorporated a lot of Babylonian and Assyrian history into the first novel, for example. Um, and so I want to keep playing with that and allowing us to, uh, allowing my my characters and myself <laughs> to take a little bit of everything and bring it together, a little bit of this culture and that culture and to show how they're really united, how they all work together in a way. Um, in terms of my business, however, that is, <laughs> so there's four phases that I'd like to accomplish. Phase one is online virtual mentoring. Phase two, once I have the funds, is to create a retreat that is fully accessible, both physical and mental. I, I don't want anyone to ever be turned away to be unable to explore their creativity. For me, creativity is for everyone. No one should be excluded from that. And I want to eventually have other mentors um, brought aboard. My specialty is writing. I do paint. I do do a few other things. Um, but for one, I, I cannot play a musical instrument to save my life. Those skills are my sisters and my sisters alone. <laughs> that girl can pick up an, any instrument and learn to play it. So I'd love to bring in a mentor who is a life coach that specializes in music, in instruments, in translating the beauty of the world into that medium. Um, so this retreat would allow creators of all mediums, of all walks of life to come, to work together, to collaborate, to explore their ideas. From there, phase three, I, and I've actually spoken with a coach who um, incorporates travel into her life coaching, which I think is a beautiful thing. Um, phase three, I'd love to create research opportunities for these, these creators, these writers, these painters, these photographers, um, very much in the same way that I do within my own life. With my novels, I go on trips that allow me to view the culture firsthand, that allow me to see what it is I'm writing about. So, for example, I have a Bulgarian character that I absolutely love. So in 2019, prior to COVID, I actually went to Europe. I did Greece, Bulgaria, and Romania. And I got to see a lot of the layout, a lot of the setting that I wanted to incorporate into my books. Mm -hmm. um, I also, funny enough, met an individual who looked exactly like the character did in my head. I had to take a picture with him. It was incredible. I was fangirling over my own character. It was hilarious. 
but I would love to create these opportunities for create creators to go out and explore that and see how much it boosts their inspiration, how much it boosts their creativity. Um, that could be, you know, for example, if if I've got a bunch of mystery writers or or painters that like to explore the the macabre. Okay, let's organize a trip to London. Let's go see the Jack the Ripper museums. Let's go see, I mean, London is renowned for having multiple serial killers and, and mysteries and that. Let's, <laughs> let's organize some uh, talks with some investigators, with some police, you know, see what knowledge we can impart into these, these pieces, whether they're a book or, or a painting or a, a photo shoot that really brings the project that much more depth. So that's that's phase three. And then phase four would be international retreats, each with their own theme, according to book genres, fantasy, mystery, horror in places that are that have significance to those genres. Um, so there's there's a big, big plan there. And I'm only just beginning. Um, but eventually, I, I, I would love, I love to... this. So love this. So much. <laughs> and by the way, this is the power of the vision, because as you're sharing it, I, I find myself being pulled into like, oh, I want to go there to even London, even though I'm not thinking about those serial killers. I love this <laughs> happening. The thing is, through this pandemic, a lot of people have woken up to the fact that there is so much more that this world has to offer than simply working every day, every night, living at work. And then renting an apartment to go sleep in, visiting your apartment, essentially, right? We've lived in a society that for so long has told people that if you're not great at something, it's not worth doing. And that if it's a creative endeavor, then that's a hobby and you need to relegate that to your free time. But then cost of living skyrockets. You know, we've got our, our generations are working two, three, four jobs just to make ends meet. There's no time for those hobbies. So we're being told that creativity doesn't have a place in our life. Yeah. And that for me is heartbreaking okay. because creativity is everywhere. We've got people believing that I can't do something creative and, and make a living with it while watching Netflix where you've got people making their livings through creativity. You've got script writers, you've got setting creators, you've got costume designers, you've got musicians, you've got actors, all these people coming together and creating something beautiful. Uh, the, the painting behind your head, I can see this beautiful flower. It, we cannot survive as a society without the beauty that creativity allows us. Mm -hmm. And to have gone from a world where if you were uh, influential enough and you had enough money, you had your own painter. <laughs> there was a time where people hired painters and kept them within their property. And now painters are being told, you know, it's really hard to make it. You probably shouldn't go, go get your, your business degree or, or your law degree. And, you know, your, your painting career can get, you know, do that in your free time. Mm -hmm. How ridiculous is that? How heartbreaking is that? So hopefully with this business, I'll be able to remind people that if you love it, pursue it. I mean, yes, there's a certain level of, you do have to pay the bills. You do have to manage things in a way that, that you can live your life. But if your car broke down, 
if your dog got sick, you'd make that time, right? So why not make that time for yourself and for that part of your soul that is crying out for attention, right? It's important. You're important. It's part of self-care to not deny oneself. And this, this thing of, well, I'm not good enough. You know, I, I can't do it the way they do it. If you ask that writer, that singer, that painter, where they started, I can guarantee you they're looking back at their first piece and cringing because it wasn't good. <laughs> we only get better by allowing ourselves, by giving ourselves permission to suck, <laughs> to play with it, to develop it. And I mean, again, my, my specialty is writing. Well, writing is a skill. It is a skill like any other that can be practiced and developed. I'm not good at it. You can be. If you've got an idea in your heart, you are a writer. If you have an idea for a painting, you are in your heart a painter, right? Now, you don't have to make money off of your work to be that, to feel that. Now, if you're, you're an author, you're published, yes, absolutely, I can agree with that. But I want to help change society in a way that we are able to recognize that fundamental part of ourselves that has existed since beyond our, our ability to take notes and, and document history, right? We walk into, I mean, Belgracic, Bulgaria, there are these caves with cave paintings. For as long as history can document, there's been art. Why deny ourselves that? When it's so clearly a part, a deep part of who we are. And, and this right. is, I, I think I love your passion around this. And this is actually for, uh, for coaches. This is very interesting. I, I didn't realize how much the, um, the whole intellectual world, like the academic intellectual world if, if has affected people's thinking until I started talking to people um, around this stuff. So we actually have, at least in high performance coaching, we have a whole session on creative expression. And it was interesting. First of all, when I went through that, I realized that I didn't look at myself as a creative person, even though I was. I don't remember that time, but I had this, this idea in my head that creative people are people who are playing music or they're singing. Um, but it, it's like, it, it's a lot like saying, uh, like, oh, I, uh, I, having legs is special. It sounds ridiculous, but like being creative is being human. Now there are different ways you express that creativity, uh, and and but it's an intrinsic part of who you are as a human being. We all create things, um, and but it's interesting when I go through these sessions, sessions that and I, I work with incredibly intelligent people, and they're incredibly educated. They're they've gone through several careers. The thing that kind of stumps them is that when we kind of talk about creative expression in, in the sense that it's a part of who they are rather than the thing that they do, they're like, oh, I never thought of myself as that. And it changes something in them because now they're open to creating. And, and so one of the reasons I want to share this, when I, when I was trying to think of when I left the engineering field and I was thinking about 
I didn't know what coaching was at the time, uh, but my, I look at myself as a seeker. I'm always trying to understand myself and the world around me. And I've always tried to do that since I, as I remember as far back as six, five years old. And I remember my thoughts around it. I wanted to know what's happening. And like, why, why, did, why did the prophet do that? Why did this religion talk about heaven like this? Uh, like, I'm, I'm thinking about these things. Well, why do we go there? What happens when we sleep? Uh, and I'm thinking about these things. Um, and then when I got to school, um, I could think about certain things in this category, right? Uh, and yeah, we have electives. We go towards that, but that's a little bit, and then we move on. Uh, but for me, it was, and once you finish school, you work. And the work that you do is very specific to something, some skill sets that you develop, and you might or might not like that. For me, I was good at it, but I didn't really care that much about it. Um, so, so I started thinking, like, what if, what if I can create something that would allow me to be that seeker of knowledge, of wisdom, of understanding myself and the world and other human beings, and while building, while being fine in the work field? It's like I didn't want to separate work from that. And that's what pushed me towards coaching because one of my intrinsic kind of desires is to really understand what happens with, with the human consciousness. Why do we think a certain way? Why do we create things? Why do we create religions? Why do we create cultures? Why do we create art? Why do we do anything? And, and that helps me understand myself better because one of the most difficult things that I've had to go through is trying to understand myself and communicate that to others. <laughs> uh, and, and so... Being on this journey for me gives me, I'm on, on a perpetual path of learning. It's not just related to coaching. I don't look at coaching as coaching and it's, it's not like a specific skill. You I have to, I have to learn a lot of things to help people make sense of their life. I have to ask questions about things that they haven't thought about at all. And that helps me go towards different things from history to science, to, uh, to philosophy, to arts, to any part. To me, that's that's an incredible. That's why my my work is not boring. My uh, my life, like I, I'm excited to jump out of bed because the first thing I, one of the first things I do, I'm learning something or I'm teaching something or I'm asking something. And and this is, I think, um, coaches have a very powerful advantage to help people think through how they could do that. How can you combine what matters to you? And we know this also in contribution that the thing that matters to you, you will intrinsically be motivated to continue that long enough. Yeah. It's much more sustainable than something that you're told to do because it's good for society. That might not mean anything to you personally. And, and so like this, I, I think there's a lot of power in this. And I think coaches are primed to go towards this because they've had to question these things in themselves. And this, and especially that that idea of creativity is let let's have a conversation about creativity. What do you think? What is your identity around this? Uh, well, how do you think? Well, I'm not a creative person. I'm an analytical person. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Can you tell me a little bit more? Um, I had a session a session yesterday with a client, and she's like, uh, well, I'm not a deep thinker. All the while, she's telling me about purpose. She's telling me about her legacy. She's telling me about what it means for her to show up as as the kind of mom she wants to be. She's telling me about, I really want to make a difference in this. And then she keeps repeating the, the statement, I'm, I'm not a deep thinker. I'm like, where are these thoughts coming from then? <laughs> Somebody else and she's We have this tendency to put the, our definitions into tight little boxes. 
And an example of that is in what you were just saying. And I find this so interesting that you were an engineer who didn't think he was creative. Yeah. When the act of being an engineer itself is to take something, to understand it in a way that is removed from its typical function and to create something new or to find a new way to to fix something, to to build something. You're, You're taking all of these different components and the our entire world has been engineered and it is not without creativity without creativity not this this island that i'm sitting at would not exist this swivel chair would not exist without someone looking at a component with the creative with the divergent way of thinking and and so to hear you say that i was an engineer and i didn't think i was creative it's like yeah, it, it blows. You and, were and literally was, a MacGyver. It took me in the middle of my <laughs> coaching career, about three years in, to figure out that I was a, more of a creative. Like, I literally couldn't say that. Like, I couldn't speak that that I am somebody. And I remember Bren Burchard, you say, well, you creatives. And I wouldn't resonate with that. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not a creative. And he would say that a lot in his audience. And he would associate t- typical char- characteristics to creatives. Like, oh, you guys are constantly learning, or you guys are constantly doing this. Uh, you, you can't focus to save your life. <laughs> and he would say that. I would, uh, so, so it's, uh, I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? Until I went through a coaching session, I realized I had per- like subconsciously kept that out of my identity. My clients do the same exact thing. And how did it feel when you ping achievement unlocked, when you accepted that you were creative? What was that? that feeling I, I think the feeling was openness is that it's another level of openness now and area any area I look is okay what am I creating here I'm, and I'm literally my dialogue is that is what am I creating here or what am I creating with others and one of the most exciting things that I'm doing is I'm doing building things with others like whether it's a Thailand that are retreat in Thailand or something else when I'm working through these designs for the session like how can we creatively get people to recognize who they are at their core? How can we get them connected with their purpose and with these and just working with people with that is just just like it lights up your soul and i and i'm open to that but in the past i'd be like well i have a strategic and in this analytical way of thinking about it. it was a very different identity right it was like more like a pretentious type of identity versus an open hey this this is who i am sherry how do you like two people having similar forms of communication <laughs> it's fantastic my best the people I get along with best are extroverted talkers I'm telling you (laughs) it's funny I'm actually introverted I'm 60% introverted on personality studies (laughs) I I am a verbal processor so I do need to talk to really kind of figure out things so so it's it's there's some interesting dynamics but I resonate with a lot of what you guys say um I um I think as an adult, I've come to, to recognize, I, I think I have a really strong gift of being extremely logical as well as being extremely creative. And, um, and, and it wasn't, but like less than a year ago that somebody gave me feedback as I was verbally processing um, why I love real estate so much. <laughs> and there's a very logical part of it. It's wealth building, it's creating 
a legacy for my family. It's supporting what we do and all the logical stuff. But part of what I said is like, I love taking things that are not the way they could be and repurposing them or helping them fill their, their potential. And so I've, I've done that my whole life. Um, uh, you know, I remember as nine years old, um, you know, my parents were, you know, we weren't rich. And so I wanted like the guest jeans, but my parents wouldn't buy me the guest jeans. Um, and so I was like, well, how do I fix this? You know? And so there was another brand of jeans, Palmettos. I don't know, you know, if anybody my age can like, <laughs> like, oh my God, they had the same same size patch. And so I would, I would, I get those jeans, which were a lot cheaper and I'd rip the patch off because people knew that if there was that patch on the butt, like the assumption was, oh, that was guests. Cause some, that was also part of the style is like, you'd walk around with a dark patch that, you know, so I was able to fool people. I was creative and getting what I wanted without having to, you know, so it's like, I look back at my history and I'm like, I am super creative. Um, and, and part of the, what I love about real estate is that I get to be creative. I love remodeling. I love rehabbing. I love the creativity of building a portfolio that serves, excuse me, serves us. Like there's so many ways, even I, when I think about spreadsheets, which I love, I'm like, you know, people comment, I'm like, wow, that's a really great spreadsheet. You got a whole bunch of cool stuff in here. I know. I was really creative in building that spreadsheet. There's colors and equations that do cool stuff, you know. So it's like creativity really is everywhere. And it's just labeling that and owning it, I think. And and then, you know, kind of um, uh, just really nurturing that piece. Yeah. I love that you're a color coder like me. <laughs> Yes. Everything needs color. Everything yes. is better with color. <laughs> yes. Organized by color. <laughs> I, I, I think, um, so there, there's this another, it's interesting because as soon as you become open to certain things, for example, like as soon as you adapt the identity of a creative, other things come up uh, and it's very in odd ways. So for example, I, I used to have another thing associated with that is that, oh, I'm not funny. And I don't have to be funny all the time, but there are things I will say that that sound funny to me or sound funny to others. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And then it creates like there's this one of my clients there says, I'm like, so why do you think you connected with me? He's actually coming to our retreat because um, we were going through the session. We were talking about establishing rapport and our rapport with people. And he's like, well, I don't know. I don't know what you shared with me that first time. I still remember when I was in Sweden when he, we did that strategy session with him and he signed up after that. And we talked about, he shared, he's like, yeah, I heard about your story and it connected a little bit to his story. And then later on, as we went through these sessions, he found, he's like, you had a sense of humor. You would joke around about a lot of things. Uh, it wasn't too serious, even though we were talking about serious things. And like, as he watched me in group settings, and he's like, you were talking about toilets and you were talking, <laughs> like it creates diversity in conversation. It, it, it's like, it's like as soon as we pin us ourselves down to this character trait that we are like oh i'm the, i'm the serious person or i'm the son but creative is much more open it's like okay that's who i am at my core i can i can do i can move i can create variations i could be one way with one crowd and i could be another way with another i don't have to pin myself down in this way so it opens up a lot of other things 
Um, just, just, and, and this is very important, I think, for coaches to get people to explore that identity part of them. How do they perceive themselves? How do our clients perceive us in themselves? Um, which uh, transitions as well into the end of our conversation here. We could go on forever about this. Um, but Dr. Sherry would like to uh, ask her final four questions. So Kimberly, you've said a lot of really, really, really creative things today. Thank you for that. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, everybody's creative juices and their, I, the, the little, the little spark of creativity in their identity, uh, or however much, however much that flame is, is getting fanned and growing. Um, cause I think that is a critical part to, even to the coaching, um, especially the coaching world, um, because we are forging a path that is not forged for us. And that in and of itself is immensely creative. Um, what would you say, Kimberly, is one of your most influential books in your uh, coaching journey? Within my coaching journey, you know, I think, I don't know that I can answer that with one. You have to understand, I've got a personal collection of 1,200 books <laughs> to choose one. It's a very difficult thing. Um, I think I'm just going to have to go with my favorites and, and they're not particularly pertaining to coaching, but their messages do apply. So my number one favorite book is Utopia by Sir Thomas More. Uh, I believe it's a 16th century, if I'm not mistaken, 16th century philosophical work, exploring the perfect society. I read that so much in high school that it was one of those, you know, Beauty and the Beast, when he says, you like it that much, it's yours guess what? The librarian was like, you know what? It's yours. This copy's damaged anyway. I have to replace it. Keep it. You're the only one borrowing it. You've read it three times. Clearly it belongs to you. Uh, awesome. It's a book that I recommend anyone read because it really throws into perspective where our values lie with, within society. One component of this book is um, they don't have money. They don't have currency in the same sense that we do. In fact, they use gold for their chamber pots and they laugh at anyone who arrives to their, their little island wearing gold and shiny baubles like children. Uh, so it's, it's a brilliant piece. I highly recommend it. Another one that I would say has had an influence on me, um, both as a human being and as a coach, is any book by Sherilyn McQueen, formerly Sherilyn Kenyon, um, but the books are still labeled Kenyon for various publishing reasons. Her ability to dwell into her character's perspectives and really explore how differently, <clears throat> sorry, how differently their minds work. In one book, you can explore uh, a character and view them as the antagonist, as, as this terrible character who just causes problems and, and creates hatred and in the next book they're the main character and you begin to empathize with them you begin to see how they they weren't responsible for any of of the events that had been described um and i think that any book that can do that that can awaken our perspective and allow ourselves to see how something exists from a different lens can translate well into coaching. 
Um, I, I believe it was actually one of your Thursday videos that I'd seen where, where that was properly uh, explored with, with different coaches in that it's just in seeing things from the other side, whether we initially agree with it or not being able to view it from that side. Um, so another, she's got several book series. I do recommend her. Again, that's Sherilyn McQueen. Um, her last name is now. Oh, well, her, her last name on the books is, is Kenyon, but and who Utopia and, and Sir Thomas More. Sir Thomas. I love the diversity of our guests because I will probably never hear those book recommendations again, but they sound <laughs> fabulously uh, valuable um, and super interesting. So thank you for that. What are your hobbies and what do you do on your off time to kind of recharge and just let the, let your hair down again? Um, being a creative individual who's highly, highly uh, driven by, by impulse in that sense. I, I do a little bit of everything. It really depends on the day. I do not deny any part of myself. Uh, that's something that I think has probably become clear within this, this conversation. Uh, so sometimes it's writing, sometimes it's reading, sometimes it's self-care, you know, a nice bubble bath, uh, chocolates and a drink, whatever the case may be. Sometimes it's painting at three o'clock in the morning with some old grunge music playing. <laughs> it, it's Ooh, always quite nice. different. Uh, yeah, you again you can't deny yourself a metalhead can listen to britney spears or britney spears fan taylor swift fan can turn around and listen to grim skunk uh, i think it's important to never deny any component of yourself that makes you happy and doesn't do any harm to anyone else um so very much my hobbies and interests reflect that um whether it's a hike rock climbing hanging out with my two cats or Binging a whole season of Netflix in one weekend. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say separates successful coaches from the coaches who give up, fail, never really even get started? Oh, I think there's a lot of that, but I think that... <laughs> and I'm, I'm not doing this to blow, blow smoke up anyone's butt... <laughs> But I think one thing that is incredibly important and that you both participate in is community. Mm. I think community is the world to a successful coach because community in any endeavor is what separates loss of motivation from loss of momentum. As long as you have a community, being deflated is not permanent. They will give you motivation when you run out. They will allow you to keep persevering even when you're feeling deflated. Um, so I'd say for any any coach out there, make sure, or any creator, anyone with a goal, make sure you have your community. Make sure you have people in your corner who see what you're trying to do and believe in you. I love that. As you were saying that, <laughs> the vision that came into my head or the, the visual was when I go to the balloon store to get the, the helium balloons for my kids for their birthday. It's like community is that air compressor of helium. It's like, if you deflate, you fill it back up and you, and away you go. <laughs> Very much, yes. 
The last question is, where do you think the uh, field of coaching is headed? Oh, you know, I don't presume to know. I, I do not want to, even for a moment, place coaching in any sort of box. I think the potential is unlimited and hopefully the only thing that is important is that we're changing the way that society works. I think coaching has a lot of power to remove stigma, to open communication, to allow people to be their best selves. And I, I wanna see those definitions and those horizons continue to expand the way that we allow our personality and, and our sense of self to expand, to include everything. I think as long as we allow it to keep evolving and we don't subjugate it to a box, limitless. So keep bureaucracy out? <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep bureaucracy out of everything we can. Yeah. Come on, you can't tell me which country I can practice in. <laughs> I like to color outside the lines. <laughs> Yes, very, again, very glad to have a, a resolution to that insurance issue. <laughs> awesome. Well, we appreciate you um, coming and sharing your, your perspective, your wisdom, your encouragement, your, your fun, um, and all <laughs> of the things that you gave us, because I, I do think that uh, creativity is, uh, is a core part of humanity and one that has been stifled for so many uh, generations. And so seeing it, being able to take its proper place in our mind and in our heart and in our life, I think brings such a richness. And so it's really cool how I, uh, for me to see how you're contributing to that in, um, you know, in your own space, as well as in the coaching space. Thank you. You're welcome. Where can we, where can people find more of you on, you know, uh, well, in, like, I'm not asking you, <laughs> but you know, in a very decent <laughs> way, yeah. in an appropriate way. Come on guys. <laughs> I do have a website. It is www.harpcreativementoring.com. Harp is my last name. So it's H-A-R-P-E, like a musical harp, but in French. Um, I can also be found on Facebook under Heart Creative Mentoring. Um, Instagram and Twitter are Heart Creative. So anyone can look me up on, on any of those and, and I'd be happy to assist them with their goals. Awesome. Thank you for, thank you so much, Kimberly, for being here and sharing your thoughts and, and your vision with us. I, I, I think just, it was incredible. Your, your passion is just, to me, it's amazing uh, because, and it's something that we need more of. So what you're doing, what you're creating is just incredible. I want to be part of those retreats. I want to be part of those, <laughs> that creative endeavor. And, and, and I think ultimately coaches, creators, all these guys that are creating stuff, it, it will have a compound effect in the, in the world. And just, uh, we want to be a support to that. And we're so happy that you're part of our community yeah. too. And I just wanted to share it with the, uh, with the viewers that are watching. Um, if, if you're similar to what, how Kimberly said that, if you want to be successful, join a community. 
whether it's our community or some other community, but we would love for you to be there. Our Facebook group is free to watch it. And maybe Kimberly can share a little bit because she's part of the Facebook group. What, what value have you gotten from the community so far? Just being able to hear everyone's different perspectives and how they go about um, solving different problems, relying on each other, uh, sharing their, their lessons so that, you know, one person's lesson can, can affect many people. We can all learn the same thing with less effort and exhaustion. <laughs> um, again, I just, I really stress that community is important and your, your community that you've created so wonderfully is a perfect example of that. I think that it's a valuable tool for any coach out there. Um, and if, if we have a question, we can turn to an entire group of people, a, a much larger set of skills than if we were just, you know, trying to solve it ourselves. So yeah. look them up on Facebook, people. I, I mean it. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, Kimberly, and 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 you will find that the coaches that are there, we attract very impact impact driven coaches. Uh, yes, they want to build a sustainable business, but they have visions like Kimberly. They they want to they want to create a positive uh, change in the world, and to us that's important. And you will also find that there's not one person telling you what to do in the community. We are actually the the whole community is set up by four founders. And, uh, and we are actually building our own businesses in the process. So we're not giving you any specific model to work through. We will share a bunch of different tools and models and we support you to make it work. And that making it work part is the hard part. <laughs> there are a lot of models out there <laughs> and that's where you're gonna need support in. So please join our Facebook, free Facebook group. We actually air our Thursday sessions at 12 p.m. Eastern live. And you can be part of that, even though that's part of the paid membership, um, you, you get access to that for free and you have access to the whole community of creatives and, and, and coaches that will support you. And you can also go to our uh, website, coachingmasterycommunity.com uh, if you want to learn more about our community there too. Uh, other than that, uh, we look forward to seeing you on Wednesday and it's going to be actually from next week on, it's going to be 10.30 a.m. Eastern. We've just made a slight change on the timing helps uh, Sherry get her coffee and tea. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, I'm in mountain time. So I'm like just shoving my kids out the door to school and I'm like trying to make sure my own air is calmed and all that good stuff. So I got to help her be a better, better parent. So it's for a good cause. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it allows us to coordinate our, our look of the day. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right next week, it won't be the blonde hair and blue shirt. It'll be something entirely different. I'm kidding. I think we should do something for Halloween. For this. Oh, that would be fun. How about I come as the, as the blonde? How about, <laughs> like the how about I guy. Yeah, I will, I will dress like Faisal and you can dress like Sherry. How about that? Sounds good. Sounds good. I love that idea. <laughs> I will tune in to see that. All right. Oh. Take care, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Um, Thanks for having me. You are welcome. Thank You're you. listening to the Coach's Journey Podcast.